Have you ever felt surprised or unprepared when things change in the world of social media? We felt the same way. We were tired of reacting to constant changes in marketing, algorithms, and consumer behavior, so we found a better way. Scan Club has been our secret weapon for over a year now, and we're excited to finally be sharing it with you. This approach has helped us future-proof our strategies and feel less reactive. It's not a crystal ball and it doesn't allow us to predict everything, but it's helped us level up our work and collaborate more than ever before. So how does it work? Twice a month, you'll get a copy of Scan Club right to your inbox. It's our breakdown of the top signals we're watching and why they matter. You'll learn to spot these signals, understand their impact, and produce your content with confidence. Get the feature in your inbox. Click the link in our description to subscribe today. Always stay, you know, on an emotion level, very baseless. Like, just stay neutral. Mm -hmm. Like, don't get too excited. Don't get too down on yourself. Life moves forward. Yeah. It's going to be my new Instagram bio. It's not that deep. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that deep. I love that. Welcome back to Waves, powered by Arcade, a show for marketers, creators, and entrepreneurs who want to stop chasing the tide and start making waves online. We're your hosts, Mike and Mitzi, and today we're joined by Shahab Mayer. As the Director of Content Strategy at William Raymond Communications, Shahab works directly with partners across the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, MLS, the Players' Tribune, Amazon, and all major social media platforms. Shahab works to find meaningful avenues of social media that align with the client brands, and he also works closely with athletes and their charitable initiatives. Shahab, we're so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Waves. Mike, Mitzi, thank you guys so much. I'm excited to be on as well. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been looking forward to this one. Sports and marketing has been something that we've just been keeping our eye on. At Arcade, which is our agency, we do something every month called Scan Club, where we like to pay attention and look out for what we call signals of possible futures. And one of the things that we've been seeing a lot of is just more and more brands um, converging with sports leagues or athletes or sports brands. And um, it's been really fun for me, I think, specifically to watch because I love sports myself. Specifically, I really enjoy football. Basketball would probably be a close second. Um, But even getting into like soccer and stuff like that. So um, the ability to have you on to speak to some of this stuff was really exciting for us. And I think our listeners will feel the same. Um, Why don't we get into some questions here? Shahab, Let's get familiar with you and and your role and even a bit of your background. Can you share how you landed where you are now? Um, I know you say you're lucky to be in this role. Can you explain that a bit and what it's like trying to get a seat at the table in this industry? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, so So my undergrad, I went to Long Beach State. I was a kinesiology major, like many kids. Uh, I wanted to be in sports, but I did not know which avenues, like, you know, PR, agency, marketing was something that was never brought up to me. Like in, in this household, it was like, you're going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. So I'm like, all right, I'll take the uh, PT route. We'll go that way. And uh, halfway through my senior year, I was like, I don't want to do this. I hate this. I don't want to be around like, you know, geriatric patients or go to the hospital. It just felt, made me feel miserable. So I uh, had that difficult phone call with my dad. I'm like, Time to pivot, baby. So I just worked the rest of the year, just getting my GPA up. And then took a year off, worked at some random cubicle job. And then 
I applied for Long Beach State's sports management program. And when I got in, I told myself, you know, this is the door. This is the uh, entrance one way or another. So uh, through there, I did internships. I did game management operations with uh, USC football in the 2017 season. I think that, that was the Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold's uh, Ronald Jones year. So did that. That was really awesome. And then I also worked, interned at a uh, talent booking agency. So, you know, we... These guys would have clients at, um, you know, ESPN, LA Galaxy, Yahoo Sports, CBS Sports, just to name a few. And then, you know, they would give me like topics and like, hey, Shahab, go find 10 athletes that match this topic. So I would give them like 15 athletes. Um, and then, you know, through that, they through that, they said one day, like nine months in, they said, hey, one of our friends is starting a sports agency. Do you want to interview, try it out, see what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, interview one time and I got hired right there on the spot. So halfway through my grad program, I'm one of three people at this agency dealing with, uh, working with like 13, 14, 15 clients at, at that time. And it was a mix of, you know, one day you're 25 years old, just going to class, you know, doing minimum wage work, working like three different jobs. And then all of a sudden, a month later, you're thrust into these, like the world of NFL players, NBA players. And it was, it was when I say like overnight, a 180 overnight, that's what literally happened. And I've been with them for five and a half years now. So it's been a crazy journey. And when, to answer your question earlier, when I say, when, when I say I'm one of the lucky ones, uh, like one, someone in our program told us this before we graduated, like a semester before he said, uh, 75% of you guys won't be working in sports anymore. And I was like, in two, within two, three years. And I was like, oh, wow, all this tuition, money, classes, and now we're dropping the ball. So I said to myself, you know, there's no way in hell that could be me. I will not let that happen. So three years later, and I would say, like, that kind of rang true. So I was like, oh, sh you know, shit, he was right. So uh, that's why I consider myself one of the few lucky ones. You know, just breaking into sports is is very difficult, and they make you work long hours, uh, low pay. But once you kind of, like, find your niche, and that's when you, you will kind of see, like, you know, uh, all your hard work pay off. hundred percent. I think I would love to hear you mentioned how like going overnight from working multiple jobs and being in school to being in rooms and it, more, more than in rooms, but in just in the environment and the reality of these elite athletes. Can you just unpack that a little bit more? Like what were the sights and sounds and smells and feelings in those rooms? Yeah. Uh, so exactly a month after uh, I got hired. Um, so during the summer for the NFL players, mainly off season for sports, for athletes, um, these guys hold, you know, charity events, they hold youth summer camps, they hold, you know, this and that to give back to the community. Um, and one of our guys, uh, Michael Crabtree, who was a, with the Raiders at the nice. time, yeah. he was, uh, he's one of our clients currently, and he was having a football camp in Dallas, Texas. And I look at my coworker, I'm like, this, this is awesome. We should do this. And then our boss was like, yeah, let's go to Dallas. So we fly to Dallas and we get there, we go to the camp. And then, um, my boss, Lauren's like, Hey, do you want to take over the NFL's Snapchat account? And then the back then, you know, 2018, 2017 Snapchat is still a thing. And I was like, okay, sure. So I'm running the NFL Snapchat account and I'm like supposed to go up to all these different players and be like, hey, my name is so-and-so and I'm really excited to be at Michael Crabtree's football camp. So you're going up to Crabtree, obviously. You're going up to Cleo Mack. Amari Cooper is there. Uh, wow. DeAndre Washington's another name that I can think of. There was like a lot of like, 
Dallas, Texas based athletes out there and you're just going up to them like you just got to say it. So in the beginning, it was very nerve wracking because I'm like, you know, you grew up playing with these guys on Madden, you grew up watching them on Sundays. Uh, so it was really nerve wracking, but it was fun though. I had blasts and then leaving the event, I was like, I'm at the right spot. So it was, it was awesome to say the least. No kidding. What a moment of arrival. I feel like I've got butterflies just listening to you talk about this. Cause these are obviously like incredible athletes that have been around for a long time. Crabtree, I feel like he's an OG. That's awesome. He's an awesome guy too. On and off the field, awesome. I on remember and when field, him awesome. and him and Amari Cooper were across the field from each other, and that was like such a fun time for the Raiders. But what was it like on the brand side? Like we're talking a little bit about these amazing athletes that you've looked up for a long time, but even um, getting to work with brands like Coke and Pepsi. Um, talk to us about that experience. Yeah, it's just when uh, again, like you're 25, 26 years old, and you know you're one of like the first people hired at this company. So it's like, it's, it's like, you know, you're being like one of the good things, um, the leadership on our team emphasized was just, Hey, we're going to throw you into the fire. You're going to learn, you're going to learn regardless. So it's like, okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. It's, it builds thick skin. It builds character. So, you know, you're on class Monday night and the next morning you have a call with like, I don't know, the executive of X, Y, and Z company. And you, what I, what I learned is that, you know, when we're interning or when we're like junior level people, we always like put these executives people on high pedestals. Like, Oh my God, he makes X amount of money. He has this title. And then what I learned is like, part of my language, like who gives a shit? Like, just like talking to them, like normal people, like these guys have their families at night. They have this, they do the same things we do afterwards at work. So me being thrown to that fire, just like kind of getting it, like the, you know, the, uh, the jibbers, the, whatever the, the, you know, the fear of it out of the way early was really productive because once, cause like now, like five, six years later, you just hop on a call with anyone and just, you know, spew whatever you need to spew. If you need to make a demand for something, you make a demand for something. If, uh, you need to change or say no to things, you have no problem saying that. Like, and for me personally, mm-hmm. me saying no was one of my hardest things to get over. Just like, if I need to disagree with someone, I was like scared of that, but you know, that's something like, again, when you're in the beginning stages, you get that all the way, you're thrown to the fire, you make your mistakes and uh, yeah, you just don't make those mistakes twice. I want to ask you more about that because I think um, working with some of these bigger brands, I know you said that like there's, they're all just people like us, which is, you know, so, so real and so true, but you're working with these athletes who you know, have a lot of open doors and opportunities. And then you're working with these brands that, you know, get, make a lot of big deals. When you're working between those and you kind of mentioned a little bit, like it was hard to say no, like how do you kind of act as a go-between or create partnerships that are beneficial for everyone? And is there any tips that you can offer people who are maybe trying to like merge, you know, either companies or brands or, or public figures together to make something that's really great or a partnership that works really well for everyone just even like like setting up some like I know your work is in support of these athletes which is awesome but like how do you make sure that like everyone gets what they need and what they want out of a relationship yeah so it goes back to relationship building so it's it's me having to know my clients like the back of my like I have to know them like I know my brother my mom dad just as much so it's knowing them knowing their tendencies what they like what they don't like so when I'm going to on these calls zoom meetings whatever it's I know exactly I'm speaking on their behalf so I can say it with confidence and 
confidence is the first thing that you know, opens the door for anyone. Uh, and, and it goes to making relationships with those brands or partners that you want to eventually do, do something with in the future. So what I learned, the best thing that has worked with me is when I reach out to someone, I hope more often than not, it's I'm not looking for anything. I'm like, hey, let's just connect. You know, we, we know where you work, you know, where I work, we know what we have going on. But I feel weird just going at it, like just saying like, hey, let's network or let's talk about this. I'm like, let's let's have coffee. Let's have an introductory Zoom. Let's let's just, you know, shoot the shit for a couple of minutes and then we'll get into what we want to do. Um, and some of the best relationships I've made in this business that people who are now friends of mine are the ones that I started out that way, where it's, you know, we know how this industry is. We know how this business is. So like when we get to like just talk and just, you know, we make fun of ourselves, we make fun of like the world around us. And through there, you build the relationships and then, you know, you get one pro- project done. And then let's say Super Bowl is coming up in Las Vegas and, they need some, They need to do something. They need an athlete. They need a person. Who they're going to hit up? The guy who's really friendly with them. They know it's easy to work with. That you know will always you know give you their hundred percent, or some stranger they've never met. So it's you build that relationship through the years. Totally. Yeah, I feel like relationship building and managing relationship is such an important skill set that, to be honest, most people aren't very good at. Um, and I think it's like something you learn over time, and you have to like figure out. So. It's it's so important even as us, like we're an agency, like we always say like we're in the relationship bil- business because all of our clients and our business relies on our relationships and how well we manage those relationships and not just the camaraderie of like connecting, but also learning how to like support what their business needs are, but also like setting boundaries and supporting our team and all that. So it's it's a dance for sure. It, it humbles you too a lot as well. Like anytime you think you're on top of the world, something happens totally. and vice versa. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. You guys know this better than I do. It brings you back to earth and you're like, all right, let's uh, start from scratch now. For sure. Mm-hmm. I want to stick a little bit longer just on the human element. Like you mentioned it when it comes to brand side C-suites and the fact that they have families and similar interests to us. Um, but I'm assuming you'd say the same about athletes as well. Obviously you kind of feel a little starstruck at the beginning, but at the end of the day, you end up getting to really know them, um, and all of their like interests and preferences and stuff like that. Um, what are some of your favorite things about working with these athletes as you get to know them better? And as you start to understand the process of the partnerships that you're facilitating and the growth that you're accountable to. My favorite part of working with these guys, it's a good question, I'm trying to think, is that from, I look at it twofold, on a personal, professional side. On the personal side, I'm like, these guys live in a completely different world than us. Like, you know, they they have to maintain a tip-top like shape throughout the year. They have so many commitments they got to get to. And, you know, we think they're athletes. Like, oh, like, they'll go to practice, they see film, they go home. But it's like, not even your typical nine-to-five, it's way longer than that, especially like during training camp, um, NFL season, especially if there's a short week, if uh, like, for example, Cowboys play tonight. So I'm assuming these guys were in the building on Tuesday or Wednesday from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So it's a lot of that. And then there's a lot of traveling. um, And you see that like there's a lot to manage for them. This between their foundation, their PR, their agents, wife, kids, family. So it's it's. It's really admirable. And on a professional side, I'm just like, it's it's insane. It's, it's crazy, crazy good that they are able to manage all this. And you see the best ones always have a good team around them because no one can always do it on their own. So you, when I look at it from a professional lens, I look at certain athletes, I'm like, 
he has a really solid team around them. Like I, I know for a fact that everything is, for the most part, under handled really well. It's it's cool, calm, collected. So, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of things I noticed that I'm really impressed with nowadays. Mm-hmm. Would you say there's a lot of athletes that don't have good people around them? Like what what would be the split? Um, in in your experience, I would say that's more subjective. Where, like you know, like the industry you're in, like everyone, it's like it's like entertainment business at the end of the day. So you know, there's what we've seen, like you know, people trying to one up each other, people like you know, mm-hmm. uh, like saying, hey, if you come with me, you could do the X, Y, and Z. Like it's one of those going on. But like what I learned from this business and what I learned from my agency is that just be a normal person, just be a good person, like be good people. Like this isn't life or death. Like. If this works out, it's great. If it doesn't, we'll get over it next week. You know, something yeah. else will take mm-hmm. its place. And it goes back to like, you know, everyone has like their families at home afterwards. It's like, we could stress out about this all we want. We could like, you know, say X, Y, and Z could happen. But at the end of the day, once 5, 6, 7 p.m. hits, I'm going to be hanging out with my family. I'm going to be hanging out with my friends. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to do something. So it's my perspective. It's it's always like, it's not that deep. You know, it's, it's just work. Right. You get paid. And life moves on. So that's why I've, it's helps me keep a clear head and always stay, you know, on an emotion level, very baseless. Like just stay neutral. Like don't get too excited. Mm-hmm. Don't get too down on yourself. Life moves forward. Yeah. It's going to be my new Instagram bio. It's not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that deep. I love that. Yeah, it's not. Um, I, we're really excited to have you on because like Mike mentioned at the top of the call, we've been watching how sports is just becoming more infiltrated into like pop culture, mm-hmm. into partnerships, into other like niche arenas, whether it's retail or maybe it's music. Um, and I know that you're a, kind of like on the front lines of seeing all of that happen. Um, and I'm just curious, like from your perspective, like does it feel like, you know, sports is just becoming, there's more demands on it? And I will say like I am a peripheral sports fan. So obviously like, Mike is my husband, so I get like the I get the background chatter, but I've never personally been invested until this season. So even for me, like it's 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 becoming part of my reality. And some mm-hmm. people would say it's like the Taylor Swift effect when it comes to you know the NFL, but there's more and more of that happening. So I'm just curious from your perspective, like being in the trenches a bit more than we are, are you seeing that happen? in your side and are there any opportunities that you feel like you can see for 2024 that marketers should be paying attention to? Yeah. Like that's a, like, that's a great question and a great observance because uh, it's exactly what I've been saying where, uh, what I would say marketers should pay attention to is that almost any company now, what I notice, like whether it has to do with sports or not, well, let's just say the ones that have nothing to do with sports, they all have a sports division or they have someone dedicated to a sports partnership team. So like, you know, from, animal welfare to, uh, you know, soap, you know, the hygiene brands, like everyone has a sports partnership. So when um, our marketing guy reaches out to people, he's guaranteed to find someone that's like, oh, shoot, like we're, yeah, this is the person right here handling it. So it could be the Taylor Swift to fact. I think Taylor Swift put like the magnifying glass on it where if you're, if like your company, you don't have any athletes or you have nothing to do with sports, you're kind of like looking around now, like, this might be the new level because um, uh, me personally, I haven't seen, you know, like the like sales or which company, which business benefited the most from like, let's just use Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift again. But I do know that a lot of her audience is in the NFL now, like his 
uh, Travis, even Jason's jerseys are like the top two out of five selling jerseys. Their podcast hit a million. They both hit a million followers. Um, I even like, you know, I'm bored sometimes at night. So I look at their family's Instagram. They're almost at a million. So it's, it's, it transcends into everything. Sports go into everything. Sports are good for peace talks, are good for, you know, starting debates, discussions. So it fills into every aspect of our lives. So that's why I would say, for 2024 and beyond, it's if you don't have a sports side or sports person in your company, then you should hop on it. Nice. There we go. Love me some sports. <laughs> How do you help athletes figure out where they should make or like what their digital footprint should look like? Because it seems like pretty much any athlete, especially if I'm looking at the NFL or the NBA, they have a presence on Instagram. And I think that's where like a lot of the fans just live. But you mentioned Snapchat before. Obviously, that had a big moment. It's still around. But um, then there's TikTok, even potentially LinkedIn, you know, from more of a professional angle. What do you consider when you're making recommendations to these athletes and where do they end up spending a lot of their time? Yeah, so that goes into our uh, our company's core philosophy where it's your digital footprint is kind of connected to these four pillars of, uh, you know, marketing, philanthropy, PR, and social media. So one cannot live without the other. So they're all coincide and working together. So we always tell these guys, it's like, you know, who do you want to be after you start playing? You know, outside of Sundays, off the court, like, what do you want to do? Like, because, you know, this is not going to last forever. Like the average NFL career is three and a half years, NBA possibly longer. Um, And once you retire, like, what is it going to be like? And and for fans, I always tell them too. Like the fans' first impression of you is what they see on social media, because we know we know guys who are players, but also like I mean athletes, but also offline. Like let's say Juju Smith Schuster, for example, he's a gamer. He he's got into that world. So it's it's our whole pre- um, our presence is you handle your business on the court and we'll help you handle it off the court. And it's, you talk to them, you see what are their interests are. It's, you know, what cause, what initiative, like, do you want to support fostering kids? Do you want to support mental health and athletes or in, in boys? Um, so it's always like kind of grinding down. What do they like? What do they don't like? And this is like, it takes time to like a year, two years. And it's finding like, you know, what their niches are, what their habits are. And that's where we lean into on their digital footprint. If they want to do media, then all right, let's use utilize their relationships on in the media side. It's like you know, book interviews with you. If your team wins, we're gonna reach out and try to book you for a show. If your team loses, we'll try again next week. So right. it's it's always like curating an image that they love, we love, and we know it's authentic and true to them. Cause we don't wanna like make someone go on TV or do something with a company that we know they have no relation with, you know. If uh, if you don't use this particular mouthwash, why are we even going out reaching out to them? What's the point of it? Like, it's sure you can get money, but if it's not authentic, then why bother? Mm-hmm. For sure. You mentioned earlier that um, it's long hours. You know, like there's a lot going on. There's quite the content cycle, especially when you're winning. Um, and I know I've always thought it would be cool to work with a team more from the marketing side of things. Um, but then I've also kind of had this other, the, maybe the devil or the angel on my shoulder. That's kind of like, man, but the, the cycle never stops, you know, like the content never sleeps in sports, um, especially with teams. But I'd be curious, like you take the Lakers, for example, it's like, there's always something happening every five, 15 minutes. But when it comes to an individual athlete, what does the content cycle typically look like for them? Um, and how involved are, is, is your team in that kind of stuff? 
Yeah, so for the content cycle, it depends on the guy. Like some guys are very uh, hands-on. It's like, I want to see everything before we post it. I want to be, uh, can you edit this? Can you edit that? Other guys are, hey, here are my social media passwords. I don't care what happens. Just, you know, make sure it doesn't crash and burn. So I'm like, a, I'm like in, a, in both sides of the coin. So, uh, and with the content cycle, you know, it's, it, first of all, it wouldn't have happened without like the help of like, you know, the NFL, the NBA, because they do such a great job and helping you like, you know, helping you with content, helping you with ideas. The NFL has an amazing program called um, the LCC program, which is League Content Creators. So if one of our guys wants to, uh, if, if he's holding a charity dinner, we're going to call the NFL up and be like, hey, he's having this event here. Can we send someone out? And they'll do photos, uh, recap video. If a guy wants to just work out, like we'll send someone over to there. If a guy is going hiking, we'll send someone out to there too. So it's, it's carefully curating every kind of aspect of their life, what they want to show off, what they don't want to show off. Um, and without the help of like the league and uh, the brands, this none of the 24-hour content cycle will work. But uh, to answer your early question, yeah, these guys, yeah, it depends on the person, I would say. Um, some have it handled really well, where especially the guys in their 20s, they have it handled really well. So all I would come in to do is kind of monitor if there's um, a sponsored post they got to do. I'll kind of go in and help their hand with that. Um, if there's any technicalities, like, can we delete this? Can we change this little thing up? I'll kind of go in and help them on that. And then the others are like, here's a code, here's a key, go have fun with it. Um, and then you asked about LinkedIn too earlier, right? Yeah. I was curious. That was more with the footprint question. Um, but I'm curious how many of them are active on LinkedIn and what kind of role that plays in the broader digital solar system. Yeah. So yeah, so LinkedIn has been the new one that has uh, been, I guess, hitting social media lately. So we got into LinkedIn about late 2022, I want to say, and we were looking at it like, oh, Kevin Durant's on it, Mark Cuban's on it, um, Steve Nash, Chris Paul, all these guys are on it. And they're like promoting their businesses now. And we kind of did a test run with one of our guys and we saw that it's doing really well that, hey, not only for social media, it's doing really well, but also you see people with high networks, like reaching out, like, Hey, what's your speaking fee for this? Like, can you come speak mm. at, our, at our church? We'll pay you X amount of money. So you like, you notice that, okay, there's another revenue for, uh, to make money for an outlet. So that's where we utilize it. And from a social media perspective, where I kind of nerd out on this a little bit is I would say their algorithm is very good, like very superior. Yes. It's, uh, you post things and then I come back to it a week or two later. And that's the first thing that pops up in my feed. Cool. That's good to know. Nice. I feel like LinkedIn is often the, I would, I don't want to say forgotten stepchild, but it's kind of the one that like people like to overlook because it's always been like the less cool platform. But these days I totally agree. It's really gaining a lot of momentum. And I do find that algorithm algorithmically, the content I want to see is in front of me, whether mm-hmm. it's like, immediately current or not. And, um, the type of people that I want to see my content are seeing my content and engaging with it. So it's really interesting. Yeah, no, I was, I was a little surprised to even hear LinkedIn as part of this because I just don't, wouldn't think of it. Like when I think of like athletes and like on social, like you just think of more of like the flashy, like, uh, game day fit walk kind of stuff. But, um, it sounds like the kind of work that you do is like impact focus, which is amazing. So it's like, it's nice to hear that like LinkedIn's a great place for them to network and find more opportunities around that. And I was just curious, my question was how, what would you recommend for 
some of your clients in terms of like a, a really strong, you know, program when it comes to social media? And like we talked about LinkedIn already, it sounds like LinkedIn would be a piece of that. Um, so what is it like? How do you like kind of approach it? Uh, approach like how like their social media strategy strategy is yeah, for each Yeah, or like platform. if a client's oh. coming to you and they're like, oh my, you know, my goal is to make an impact with like this kind of foundation and, mm. you know, like oh, how do you approach how they should be showing up on social media? Because you also mentioned like there's some guys who like with the league, like if they're going hiking or working out, like you can get content around that, which makes sense. And I'm mm. sure like your role is being a bit more strategic. It's like we could create content all day about these athletes and I'm sure people would eat it up but what makes the most sense for like where their goals are so when you're thinking about like a client and what their goals are like how do you approach setting up recommendations for how they should show up on these platforms like what kind of content they should be sharing Mm -hmm. and what platforms make sense because I wouldn't have thought of LinkedIn no yeah that's a great question so like like we said like each platform has its own purpose and you know if they want to do like a charity initiative that's where we kind of ask him like, what do you want to do with this like charity? Like, do you want to just donate money? Do you want to go speak there? Do you want to visit some schools? Like, how do you want to approach this? And when sometimes, like, I would say more often than not, if it's like a charitable thing, I want to promote it on all platforms. It's just changing the voice of it up a little bit. So on Instagram, I'll let the guy like, you know, post it in your own voice and I'll kind of read that. And I'm like, all right, let's button it up for LinkedIn. Let's just, you know, We'll suit it up for LinkedIn. So we'll do that. Um, and we know like, and I know like, um, Mike, you said that uh, you mentioned ugly stepchild or ugly step cousin. I forgot what the term was, but Facebook, for example, that's what many of them think too. When I, when they, when I say like, oh, you should, if you have a Facebook page, if not, let's make one, let's get it verified. Let's get it going where it's always like not the sexiest platform, but at the end of the day, it's still the most used platform in the world with the most users at like four or five, six billion. I don't remember the exact number. So each one still has its purpose. Like, you know, even if you don't have the biggest following on Facebook, we're going to still utilize it because at the end of the day, again, this all connects to our four pillars. You know, this connects to marketing. So if a company is like, let's see your numbers, like, can we make this happen? Here's Facebook. Here's like 10,000 on Facebook that we could kind of use to pitch you out. Like these all, all these numbers still add up at the end of the day. Um, and then to create a voice on each one, it's just as important too as well. Like some guys, we we have them super buttoned up, super tight on LinkedIn. And then on Instagram, Twitter, it's, you know, it's really them and their voice. But at the same time, I always like, try to make it seem like that it's it's actually coming from them. Like this isn't a robot talking. This is a person with with goals, dreams, aspirations. He's helping people in the community out. Now he just needs to reach a certain different audience on a different platform. So it's always like, you know, mixed up, adjusted to, you know, whichever fits best. How do you tell your clients no? Like, so in one of our previous uh, episodes, somebody asked us, how do we tell our clients their ideas aren't good? And it's an art. Like we talk about relationships. Like, do you ever have a situation where a client comes to you and they say they want to do this, but like what you need to like pivot them a little bit and redirect them. Like, how do you approach that? One thing I learned is in school too, is to be a diffuser, you know, like do not add fuel to the fire. If you, if you think an idea is a bad idea or you completely disagree, you, you got to like, you know, let, let people down easily. So you could say, instead of saying, no, we're not doing that. You offer a different idea. Like, Hey, I don't know how this one worked because X, Y, and Z happened. What if we did this instead? So I always like try to, reverse it out and give them another suggestion and put the question back on them instead of flat out saying no. Because if you flat out say no, then 
you're, we're, like we're kind of standing off right here. Like who's going to break first? Who's going to say? Who's going to make who do what next? So it's it's all about you know how do you diffuse a situation? Can you explain to them like perfectly? Like hey, you know we can do this because you know whatever. But you know I've noticed you've done X, Y, and Z over the years. How about we do this instead? And it will you know affect you or like waste less of your time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're both on the same team. You you both mm-hmm. want to see the person win. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm sure we have some people listening who are maybe like brand managers and maybe they're interested in working with an athlete. What kind of advice would you give them in terms of like forming a partnership that's attractive for an athlete um, and like beneficial for them? Uh, it's, it's fairly uh, simple, straightforward. It's what can you bring of value to them? Like if if you have if you can't bring up anything of value, then we can't even open that door. So if you are good at being the day to day guy, then that's one thing. If you're good at booking interviews, that's another thing. If you know how to talk and you know open those doors for someone, do that. If you're good at social media, lean into that. Um, editors, like these kids are really good editors nowadays. So like lean into that. So for me, my thing was social media, and I and I love talking to people. So. I leaned into that and that's how that became my niche now where you learn that, where I learned that a lot of guys, even if the ones who know how to use social media, they don't really want to be on social media. So, you know, light bulb goes off in my head. I'm like, okay, this is something we could help. That's another service I could provide to them. Uh, okay. You don't want to be on social media. Let's figure out the best way for us to work together. So um, I guess to answer your question is, you know, find your niche, lean into it and bring something of value to them and always like, every day have something of value for them. What about for brands? Like um, say someone's working on a brand marketing team or PR team. I know you mentioned that a lot of brands have sports marketing, like partnerships teams, but for the ones that don't, maybe they're more like middle, mid-sized brands compared to some of mm-hmm. the bigger ones we were throwing around like Coke and Pepsi or even like Tiffany and co working with the mm-hmm. Shanghai marathon, you know, like obviously they've got whole squads of people assigned to that kind of stuff. But for a brand that's interested in getting into sports, whether working with teams or, um, athletes directly, um, what's the path? Like what, what, what makes a, an opportunity, a partnership opportunity attractive to an athlete and even to their represent re- representation, like your agency? Yeah. Outside of the obvious answer, which is the financial aspect of it. That's, right. that's yeah. one of the obvious answers, but, uh, it's, it's how does his or her story align with us? Like, is this a perfect fit? So, um, one of our examples I will throw out is, uh, Logan Ryan. He's one of our clients. He played for Patriots, Titans, Bucks, and uh, Giants. So, He's a, he's a foundation, RARF, is big on you know animal welfare, finding support homes for animals, um, animal rescue. So a brand reaches out to, the, to us. We want to see like, hey, do they support the animals? Like, what is their stance on that? Or if it's an animal welfare sh- shelter, what, uh, what um, causes are you guys supporting? Are you guys doing anything? How can we get involved? Is this something long-term we could do? So it's kind of like weighing the options, the benefits. And you know, reading. it's always good to read up on your history too because I know they've done as much research on us as we've done on them. So it's feeling your your client out, feeling like how does his family feel about it and just kind of go to back to the drawing board to offer, see what they, what they put up. They always have um, a lot of great initiatives and charities, I would say. And it's more of like, hey, how can we get our charity involved? How can we do like, can we do a fundraiser together? Can we do an event together? So it's, it's uh, again, depending on the situation. Awesome. Well, man, we're getting to the end here. But one question we always like to ask every guest, 
um, is who is making waves right now and why. Can I be a little biased and pick people on my own team for this one? Sure, yeah. Shout them out. Uh, Steel, Siltine, Abigail Halter from my team, William Raymond Communications. I think they are the best in the business. They are amazing people in almost every aspect possible, like personal and professional life where they will go all the way to you know put their clients' interests first ahead of them. And also they have the same perspective of me as like, hey, dude, this is just work. This is not life or death. You're, you're not going to, nothing bad's going to happen if this doesn't happen. You know, if something great happens, that's cool. Let's celebrate it, but also let's move on the next day. So it's dealing with amazing people that, you know, I would say are family to me. So I will shout them out and I know they're rock stars. They're amazing. Got to, got to respect that. Um, kind of impromptu question here, but first athlete that comes to mind that left a lasting impression on you. Oh, that's a good one. It's a good one. Um, lasting impression. Do I have to interact with them? Like, like was there have to be an interaction in between? Or? No, first one that comes to mind. So it can be anything. I'll give, I'll give two answers for this one. But I kind of want to know the interaction one too. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I got two for you. So um, one of the one that there was no interaction, I was just like, oh shit, he's here. Is uh, we, were, we were working a Christmas event in LA a few years ago and it was like for um, a Lakers player, Javal McGee, when he was a Laker, he was having a Christmas event. And we were just like working. They, I was like, hey, here's a water bottle. Here's a water bottle. And then, you know, they said the Lakers team and staff will be there. So I'm like, okay, okay. I know he's going to show up. So Jeannie Bus rolls in. I was like, all right, cool. Luke Walton rolls in. I'm like, all right, cool. And then you see a Bentley pull up and then they don't, someone, you can see people moving in the car, but no one's moving. Security guy in the car in front of him gets out. He gets a whole quick rundown of the area, security clearance, knocks on the window. Out comes LeBron and Savannah. LeBron comes out. I turn to my boss, and this is like me three years in. I was like, I can't stop smiling right now. That's LeBron James behind me. <laughs> Dude is big. Yeah. A good interaction, like an actual interaction, I would say um, Dalton Reisner, he's left guard, number 66 for the Vikings. Him, I would say he's one of the most down-to-earth people that I've ever met in my life, athlete or not. He's one of those like super humble guys, came from a great family, great background. He, you know, it's one of those guys, like I'm big on always like telling your friends, like tell your friends you love them every single day. With him, I would say he went from being a client to like a lifelong friend too, where I'm just like, we text each other every few weeks, every now and then like, hey, just thinking about you. I love you, dude. Good luck today. Good luck this Sunday. So he's uh, one of those guys I would put up there as, you know, a, a lifelong friend. And, you know, he's awesome too. Love it. It's so cool. Well, Shahab, man, this was this was good. Thanks for just pulling back the, the curtain to your world and like sharing a, a little bit of your expertise with us. We appreciate it. It's one that, it's a world we've been watching and I think our listeners will just feel great that they got to get a little bit more exposure to this space. So yeah, of course, Mike Mitzi, thank you guys so much. Um, I'm, I will always be here as an asset, as an extension. If you guys have any questions or you want to just, you know, talk around. Yeah. I'm always here. Appreciate you guys. Love it. Where okay. can our listeners connect with you after this? Uh, I'm on Instagram, X, Twitter at Shahab Mare, full S H A H O B M E H R. I think on TikTok too is the same thing. But yeah, you can find me there. All right, we'll add it to the show notes. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into Waves. If you enjoyed this episode, you can hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to follow along on social at Hello Arcade, and we'll see you next time.